Welcome to Thinking Edge with Ed Boudreaux. Today, we couldn't be more excited to be with Rebecca Rogers, a client partner with MentorClick, clearly an incredible mentor platform. And Rebecca, you bring unique views around mentoring. You know, I'd love to start with, how do you think about creating a, a mentoring culture in a company or, or in an enterprise? Yeah, so the good news is mentoring is probably happening within your organization already, right? There is some sort of seed of a culture at every organization. And I like to refer to these as less intentional type of mentoring programs. So this is where especially your extroverts are going to go out and find mentors that help them, or your mentors are going to see someone that's high potential and reach out to them and say, I want to mentor you along. And, and that's great. And it's a good, a good place to start. But the idea of having a holistic mentoring culture, you want to have mentoring available to everyone in your organization, no matter where they are in their journey with you. So this looks like starting with an onboarding program. You know, a lot of employers have new hire or buddy programs that they're putting together. That's a version of a mentoring program. The minute someone starts with your organization, then they know that mentoring exists, that it's important to you. And then having, as they're going through their careers, specific programs for that, whether or not it's a global open mentoring program that's available to an individual, whether or not that is a high potential program where you pick them and you're partnering them with a senior leader, or a program that's focused on diversity and inclusion, where you are using mentoring to add to maybe a, a particular ERG within your organization so that people are not only working on their career development and developing their skills, but also on establishing that sense of community within your organization. I love that idea in terms of having different areas that mentoring, you know, or part of the process, it could be onboarding, early career, mid-career, later career, but also specific areas of, of mentoring as well. What are some of the most effective attributes of a mentoring program that, that you've seen? So having a wide variety of mentoring programs like I just talked about, that's a big one. But also helping your mentors and mentees stay engaged along the way is super important. So it is you know, one thing where you go and you said, I have this great idea and I've identified this mentor or you've been given a mentor to help you establish that idea. And then your first meeting is you've got a lot of energy after it, you're building momentum and your second meeting is really great too. Your third meeting needs to be rescheduled. It falls through the cracks. And then your fourth meeting, you forget what you're doing. You got to start at step one. So that is a, a big important component is keeping people engaged along the way. And then the other thing is, is giving them resources that can help them develop as a mentee and as a mentor. So there are certainly good attributes to having a mentee and having a mentor. And if you're not providing some sort of education or training around that, it kind of becomes the wild west. And so helping people figure out what are the core basics of being a good mentor and mentee and how do you identify what your, what your strengths are so that you can bring that into your relationship. Those are going to be really important. That's incredible. So, you know, it starts with engagement and how to think about that for the long run. So that engagement is persistent in your relationship and then having the right resources. It's probably important on, on both sides of that, right. In terms of the mentor and the mentee as well, and a resource for a a mentee could be, I'm coming with questions. I'm coming with what I'm struggling with, or I'm coming with things that I want to learn overall. How do you think about it classically a mentor and, and how should they think about resources? 
Yeah. So if your organization isn't providing resources for you, there's plenty of reading that you can do out there. There's books about specific type of mentoring relationships. But one of the best pieces of advice that I think I can give is look back on your mentoring relationships, people that have mentored you and what's worked really well that you want to bring into your relationship and what's worked not so well that you don't want to carry on in, in your relationships. It should be an expectation that a mentor is constantly learning and improving themselves. Just like we're expecting mentees to improve themselves, we want mentors to be improving themselves as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And it, I think one of the, looking at your background I've looked at some some words that classically don't come up in a mentee-mentor relationship, but resiliency. How do you think about resiliency and how does that play into you know, that, that relationship or, or just generally speaking? Yeah. So resiliency is this idea that we can bounce back from, you know, challenges, troubles, change. I often like to think of it as like a buoy. So if you are a buoy in the water and the water is getting turbulent, how likely are you to, to fall over? You don't have any control over that, but how likely are you to, to bounce back up? That's, that's resiliency. And right now there's a huge conversation, especially in the United States about loneliness and its impact on our physical, mental health, our, our resiliency. If you read articles, you, you, like you've seen that we're all lonely. I feel like every week there's a new article that tells you why you are the, the loneliest <laughs> person uh, in, in the United States. And, and it has to do a little bit with our history of being herd animals. So this idea that when we are feeling lonely, when we're feeling like we're away from our herd, we're at an increased risk of attack, if you think historically. There are safety in numbers. And, and there's actually physical stress hormones go up. We see impacts on the health of our DNA. We see increased burnout when people are lonely. It's, it's really trying on our physical and emotional well-being when we're lonely. And given that every talent-focused team is thinking about resilience, right now. I mean, even back in 2017, over 50% of organizations had a plan for employee resiliency or were planning on creating one. I'm really shocked that the connection between bringing people together through mentoring and helping them build their resiliency isn't more of a conversation because not only are you physically bringing people together to talk about something that they have in common, which is work, but there's also this psychosocial aspect of mentoring that I think often gets overlooked. So it is about building your career and building your skills, but it's also about building your confidence and your effectiveness and your competence. And that doesn't come with, hey, here's how you do this skill better. That comes with modeling how to celebrate successes and how to deal with defeat and doing so in a way that's empathetic, that's compassionate, that you know combines like a little bit of friendly counseling and, and friendship. I mean, all those are really important in a mentoring relationship. And, and to me really distinguishes mentoring from something like coaching, where a coach is going to also help you develop skills and make you better, but you're not necessarily going to go to your coach and have that really important piece of vulnerability that makes a mentor great. I was reading a testimonial recently where one of the participants in a mentoring program learned he was going to be a new dad. And as a result, when he filled out, you know, what did you talk to your mentor about this month? He's like, all we talked about was me being a new dad, because there's a lot of excitement about that. There's also a lot of anxiety and fear that comes with that. And if that's what's on your mentee's mind, it's okay to have a little flexibility in what you're talking about and bring that to the table. So by introducing that psychosocial piece, we're automatically going to be building resiliency because people will bond with one another over the feelings that they're having. We'll see increased cognitive functioning. We'll see decrease in emotional fatigue just by having those bonds, those professional bonds in our networks. 
yeah, the word psychological safety really comes into play in terms, and I've never really thought about it as it relates to a mentor-mentee relationship. It's one of the things I think I try and do for that relationship because there's no hierarchical expectations as a boss <laughs> that you can, as a mentor, create that safe space for someone to come in and talk about you know, anything that's on their mind, whether a new, a new parent or struggling, you know, to your point around the, the current environment is, is creating with this social disconnect and that everything, our social connection is, is Zoom, which is challenging for, you know, and has been for the past number of months. I, I guess the question is, how would you advise a mentee to create that psychological safe space for someone because it's something I don't think that's naturally talked about in, in, you know, mentors or, or a mentor program. Yeah. I mean, really good trainings. Let's definitely speak to this, to, to be a good mentor and, and to be a good mentee. When you start your mentoring relationship, there should be a set of expectations that, that you're having. It's, it's what goal are you working on? How are you connecting with one another? Are you like, if you, do you like text mes messages or do you never want to be texted by your mentee? Those are things that you should be establishing up front. And I also think establishing up front, hey, here's, here's what I'm hoping to accomplish in this. Taking time for that personal little bit, like, hey, here's my history. Here's where I'm coming from. Hey, it sounds like this is a project you want to work on. I actually want to share with you my experience in a time that that went really well and a time that that, that, that didn't go well at all. Awesome. And from a mentor's perspective, that can be really hard, right? Admitting our mistakes, reflecting on our mistakes, like having to pull that out from, from the back of our brain and say, oh, I never wanted to think about this again. But that's what's going to create that safety net for your mentee to say, wow, they're human too. Because that mentee is looking up to you as a leader, as an expert, and by level setting and saying, actually, let's talk a little bit about our personal lives and how I got to be where I am, the good and the bad. That's a great place to start. And then I would also say, you know, you don't have to share everything with your, with your mentor and mentee. It's also okay to, to set boundaries. It's okay to say, you know, I am not comfortable having this discussion. Maybe here's a resource for you. But if you find as a mentor that you're really not open to those more vulnerable conversations, uh, there's probably some work there to be done to really enhance your skills as a mentor. That's amazing. I know we're talking about kind of almost this emotional part of, of mentoring and, and mentee relationships. I love some of the words that, you know, you've used loneliness, empathy, confidence. It's, it's an amazing way to, to, to think about bringing that relationship part to mentor and mentee and the human side of making that deep connection that someone does feel, you know, safe in that, that space to be able to talk about things that perhaps the, the coach doesn't talk about or they don't haven't formed that level of relationship. And I'd love to ask you, how do you think about a mentor in a, and a coach and how do you delineate those two different roles? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of answers to that question. It really depends on who you who you're reading at the moment, what date it is. And every organization that I work with actually has a different definition for what mentoring is, what coaching is. First and foremost, we always recommend set your definition, right? Like you get to define what you think mentoring and coaching is for your organization. And as long as you're communicating that and it's clear, that's what's most important. But for me, this vulnerability piece is, is a, a big piece of that. This idea that, again, we're, we're bringing that emotional aspect to it. That's super important. The other thing I would say is a big, is a big definer is that as a mentor, you don't have to be an expert. So don't be afraid if 
someone asks you to be their mentor and you're like, wait, I'm not a 100% certified expert in this topic. I cannot mentor you. It's okay. You probably can, because the ideas of a mentor is not that you are the expert like a coach would be, but the idea that you are willing to help them and listen to them and help them achieve the goals on their own by sharing that personal experience or by using your network. So you might not know exactly how to get that mentee to where they're trying to go, but you've probably been with the organization long enough and have enough of a network to say, let me introduce you to a colleague of mine. Actually, they'd be a better mentor fit for you or actually just one conversation with them, I think will, will help you. And then let's revisit and talk about what you learned and what we can accomplish together. Yeah, I love that commentary around there's also this concept of having a, a personal board of directors. I'm sure you've heard of that. If you were to, someone came to you for advice around, hey, I'm early, mid-career, I'm looking for different dimensions of advice. I, I have a mentor already in the enterprise. You know, I have outside coaches in physical fitness or whatever it might be. If you were to advise someone to say, you should think about the following personal board of, of directors just to open someone's kind of mind to possibility. What, how would you advise them around that? Oh, that's a really interesting question because it's so different based on where you are in your career who you are, what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, even for me, the mentors who I have today are not going to be the best mentors for me in 10 years. It will have to change, which is which goes to that. I call it a network of mentors, a board of, of, of directors, but you should definitely be looking for someone who can help you achieve your, your current goal. And that's just not expertise, but that's like the, the core function. So are you looking for someone that you can bounce ideas off of and it will come to you and be your cheerleader, right? Like if that is what you need, uh, and this takes a lot of self-reflection too, if that's what you need, you're going to be looking for someone with a certain personality, a certain set of skills, a certain way that they approach conversations. That's going to be different than if you're at a certain point in your career and you said, I'm ready to achieve this next level. This is the job that I want to have in the next two years. And I need someone who will sponsor me for example, to get me that job, right? So that's another example of someone that you want at your side. And then those specific skills that you're trying to get better. So I have a mentor who I go to when I need to have a, a difficult conversation with somebody at work. And, and I say to her, like, here's what the situation is. I'm afraid that they're going to react this way. Here's what I'm planning on saying. Can you help me think through that? And that person's going to be helpful for me probably for the rest of my career, because that's going to come up every time I have a conversation. So it, it's really looking at what, what is the ultimate goal? Not the very specifics, but what's the core of that goal? And have you identified someone that can help you with that? That's great. So almost as a, a mentee, really doing almost an inventory of what am I solving for? And it could be my right now, like I'm, I'm facing a certain situation in work or at home that I'm looking for advice on, or it could be you know, I'm looking to, to advance my career. I'm looking to skill build. I'm looking for someone who has had that experience that could potentially help and advise me grow faster and looking for that kind of career advice. So some of it could be at the moment and some of it could be over time. Does that sound about right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I also want to just remind, because I do have a, a background in health and well-being, and I need to add that like a mentor isn't a fix for everything that you're doing in your life, right? I mean, when it comes to, to loneliness, we do have different dimensions that we're trying to tackle. There's three specifically, like an intimate partner, social, which are like your close 10 or so groups of friends, and then like that community piece. So also, I really encourage everyone, mentees, mentor, make sure you have your, your network or your board of directors for your personal life too. Uh, so that you're not seeking constant emotional support from your mentor because they are out there supporting a lot of people, but do a little self-reflection and figure out what is appropriate for my mentoring relationship and what maybe do I need to get some more personal resources for? Right. Yeah. And it's incredible to think about personal wellness. I love that, that aspect. And it's, if you can bring your best self, I always tell people focus on yourself first, <laughs> because then you can take care of your family. If you take care of your family, then you can take care of work. How would you advise someone to think about their, their wellness and you know, outside of so that they can bring them best selves to work? How, would you, how, how do you think about that in terms of folks that people should, should seek out or how to think about wellness? I would love your perspective on that. Yeah, so a lot of organizations are picking up gear when it comes to mental health and, and, and emotional health, social health. I mean, since since the 80s, we've been doing corporate well-being in some form or another, started mostly with physical health, right? But in the last 15 or so years, we've moved into thinking more about the, the mental and the emotional. And you look at well-being scorecards that employers are filling out, and there are whole sections devoted to that. So all this to say, your organization is thinking about health and well-being and probably has benefits for you to leverage. And so start with what is available to you. If your organization isn't offering that, there's a lot of community resources that are available. Organizations that are, are nonprofit or associated with religion, there's, there's a lot of programs out there for individuals, but it does start with a lot of self-work. So if you are finding that you are feeling a little, a little sad, uh, or you are just feeling a little lethargic, I mean, that could be physical, right? It could be because it's the winter in Ohio and I haven't seen the sun in a week, right? Like it could be that, or it could be a, a sign of a, a more serious issue. And I, I should go to my doctor and chat to them about it. It does take activism, just like being a mentor or a mentee, you have to be active and accountable in, in your own health and well-being. But start with what your organization is offering. That's definitely uh, a great first step. And then don't underestimate, and I might, at the risk of sounding like a broken record here, don't underestimate this idea of loneliness, especially right now as we're going through the pandemic. We know that loneliness has been on the rise since pre-pandemic, especially here in the United States. And it is a trap because the more lonely you feel, the heightened threat that you're feeling, and actually the less likely you are to reach out to someone. So I'm hoping that anyone that's listening that might be feeling like it's really hard to call someone back or to put together a text message, that they're not alone in that, and that actually doing that step that's very difficult, but actually reaching out to someone could really help with your mood just that day or over long term. And it doesn't have to be a mentor, although if you are looking for career development and support, that's a good place to start too. Yeah. I think that's very simple, but incredibly powerful advice. It could be a text to someone, are you doing okay? Right? And that's the most important thing we can do as, as humans right now, among the family, but also among our colleagues and in, in work as well. And it's just, it's a simple way to reach out. Are you okay? Yep. And from, from the heart, deep, you know, deep empathy. But I love the, the structure that you just set forth is think about 
your personal well-being, think about your family's well-being uh, in the, the support structure that you have, you know, around your, your personal well-being and really the creation of, of this idea around a, a social network, a human network that, that you rely on to create that human connection to, you know, reduce that loneliness, but, but creating your, your social networks. But in addition, leveraging enterprise assets too, that actually may feed, you know, all of that as well. And thinking about that as you start to set forth who are your board of directors, who are your support system in, in different ways. And, you know, depending upon where you are, whether it's kind of that idea of immediate advice or, or long-term advice for, for a multitude of almost like layers in a way. And that social capital, that social well-being piece, that that long-term just having healthy, meaningful relationships is something that we are coming to have a growing awareness of. If any of your listeners have read the book Blue Zones, you know, that is a big theme of all these groups of individuals who have lived to be 100 years old. They all have a really strong sense of community and really meaningful relationships. And it's also one of the outcomes of that 80-year-old Harvard study where they were looking at adult development and asked people, 80 years ago, hey, what what do you think you need to be happy and successful in life? And people said fame and money. But 80 years later, those that are the happiness, happiest that are, are, are doing well are those that have healthy relationships with their partners or healthy relationships with their family. It is so important. And I think we're just now starting to talk about it and really understand how important that connection is. Yeah, that's uh, really interesting. You know, think about your beginning of your career and, and, you know, what your focus areas are, but then what is resulting in what's really important in life, right? So if you can start that early, the better off you'll be in the, the long run, creating that, that deep social connection. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been amazing. I would love for you to think about what three pieces of advice, and it could be a mentoring program in an enterprise, or it could even be down at the level of you know, a mentor or mentee, what three pieces of advice would you give in order to create that effective relationship that is long lasting and, and very social, you know, socially connected? Yeah. So from a mentor mentee relationship perspective, I'll start there. I like to equate a healthy mentoring relationship with what Shasta Nelson describes as a healthy working relationship. They have very similar qualities. So that first one is consistency, which for mentoring, I think the more appropriate term is accountability. So stay accountable. If you're going to ask someone to spend their time to help develop you, or if you're going to tell someone that you're going to spend the time to do that, actually spend the time doing it. And if you are setting up your, your relationship early on saying, we're going to meet once a month via Zoom, and you stick to that, you're going to have really, really great results, um, especially if that's paired with positive interactions. So that's the second descriptor that Nelson uses. We as humans have a very strong negativity bias. So to put that in perspective, if you have a relationship with someone and 50% of your interactions are positive and 50% are negative, you're going to think that it's a negative relationship because you're focusing on that. Negativity biases are good. They keep us alive, but also they can be a, a struggle to cope with. So making sure you have positive interactions, and that might be before you sign on with your mentor or mentee, taking a short walk, closing down your email, uh, turning off your chat, turning your phone sounds off, making sure that you're going into that conversation with a, a smile can be really, really meaningful. 
And then that last piece of vulnerability, if you haven't done a little bit of a, a self-reflection on how vulnerable you're being in your mentor-mentee relationships, now's the time to do it. I very much encourage you to think, where can I open my arms up a little bit more to this individual? So, so that's my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is I'm going to give it to the organizational level. So when I talk to my clients about this connection between getting mentors and mentees connected and building togetherness, and that is going to help build resilient employees. And then I ask, is your company talking about resiliency at all? They almost always are. And I go, do you know that you're working towards building resiliency in your mentoring program? And it's, it's this moment of enlightenment where it's like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely, I am doing that. So it gives, it empowers those that are working on mentoring and making it intentional and helping build those connections to see that they are not only improving the skills in, in their, their talent bench, but the overall employee well-being across the organization. And the last piece of advice I would give is for those organizations that are leading the charge in how organizations are approaching employee well-being, really consider mentoring in your action plans. The Healthy Business Coalition just added mentoring into their action plan for mental well-being because we are learning so much about the importance of loneliness and togetherness. And just because we're isolated right now doesn't mean we have to be lonely. And an intentional program where we're bringing people together to talk about the reason they're coming to work, right? This isn't necessarily an extracurricular. This is why you're coming to work every day to get better. Including a program that's part of an individual's workflow, like mentoring, is going to help you grow your bench, grow your resiliency. And in those organizations that are helping organizations realize that are, are huge in making really big public changes in, in employee resiliency. That's, uh, yeah, great, great advice around start with deep empathy in that that relationship of mentor mentee create that that positive interaction be vulnerable so opening up and that's what creates empathy is having that deep vulnerability and then in the long run creating you know that intentional structure around mentor mentee programs that that results in resiliency a deeper bench and it's just overall good for human connection that social network creation, but also good for the, the enterprise as well in the long run, so. Yeah, it's one of those win-win situations. Yep, absolutely. Well, Rebecca, incredible advice and wisdom around you know, mentoring and, and so much more, you know, thinking about the current state of where we are and, and creating that social fabric and eliminating loneliness and creating that social connection such that we can progress as a, a humankind. So really great advice for our listeners and I couldn't appreciate you more today. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for having me. This has been great. Thank you.